Hello and welcome to the All Walks of Art podcast, a show for creatives and artists from all walks of life. If you stumbled on this podcast, stick around, listen, and become a regular. Find a comfy chair, pour your favorite beverage, and enjoy the show. On today's episode, Paul and I talk money. We discuss the starving artist myth, because that's what it is, and why so many artists struggle with asking for what they are worth. I mean, cry out loud, your plumber makes plenty of money, why shouldn't you? You don't want to miss this episode. I think it'll help you brainstorm and and find some ideas for yourself. In the studio, drinks of choice are Bee Nectar's Tasty Cider. It's, it's called Zombie Killer. I'm on try. I'm so excited to drink, Paul. Uh, Rogue's Hazy IPA, and it's called Bat Squatch. I mm. love that name. It's got a cool-looking can, too. Yeah, it is cool. So without any further delay, let us get right into it, and welcome back to the show. He's a child of the 70s, a true working man's musician, the nightmare every father hopes to never see dating their daughter, my oh, drinking Jesus. buddy for the day, the wonderful, the fantastic, the often misunderstood Paul Ramey. Man, that is true. Very often <laughs> misunderstood. What's up, buddy? I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I already pre-gamed. Uh, I, I didn't, not, not by much, but the Manchester United game today against, uh, I won't even say their name, I was so pissed off about it. Uh, just really, I had to have a drink at the end. The last 10 minutes, I just, I was like, fuck. Uh, I don't watch Squatch, so. Yeah. <laughs> Foosball's the devil. Uh, I watch real football. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, let's uh, give me just a tiny bit of that, yeah, this yeah. little dainty glass. No, we're going to do it the other way. I'm going to give this to you in a big glass, and the other one's going to be a dainty glass. Okay, why is that? Because it's just supposed to be that way. All right, that's what you say. Yeah. I don't know what you do. That's a lot. Right no, there. it's not a lot. That's a lot for me. See, it is It is hazy. It's a lot like the uh, the other hazy IPA we had. It looks like a weak orange juice. Smells like a weak orange juice. Yeah, it's very tropical. This is, uh, again, this is called Bat Squatch. You see the can. I can't see the rest of the can. It's a, it's a hazy IPA. Oh, yeah, uh, I like it. India Pale Ale. Very nice. Yeah. A high five. It's a good one. I had, like I say, I've, I've had one. Take, take. Yeah. For uh, those listening, this is quite a quite a tasty little brew. Um, Rogue never lets you down, I don't think. I think they're, they're a good brewery. Um, I'm sure I'll hate it. Well, you know, give it a shot, you know. While you're doing that. All right. Just um, taste it. You know, it's always hard for creatives, hard. Uh, artists in general, to talk about money. I don't know why. It's It's almost like a, a faux pas. It's like we really, oh no, don't let me know how much oh, you're know, really making. I know why it's hard. Why is it hard? Because nobody wants to do that. If, if people want to be the artist, they don't want to, if they wanted to be an, an accountant or a business manager, they would have been a business manager or an accountant. Yeah. It's life sucking to book gigs and to um, price your art and to sell yourself. I don't want to sell myself. I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not a salesman anymore. I did that gig for a while. I did not care for it. Yeah. I want to play music. That's why oftentimes if it's left to me to book all the gigs, I don't book a whole lot of stuff because it's yeah. just it's it's not it has nothing to do with the art. It's it's yeah, ancillary. It, yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's no you don't want to do that. That's why it, if artists wanted to do that, then business managers and road managers and tour managers and um, um, personal accountants, none of those people would exist. People want to make make the art. I, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. At, at our at our level, you're kind of, you're not busy enough to need all that, but you're too busy to, yeah. that it, it impacts your creativity. Yeah. And I, I think most 
most artists in general, uh, you know, with the exception of the crazy, rich, successful, you know, <laughs> you're not sure. It, it tastes like sticks. You think it tastes like sticks? It tastes, it tastes like there was some water with a little <laughs> bit of leftover <laughs> orange juice in it and somebody left some, like some, some shrubbery and some sticks <laughs> like in the water yeah. and it soaked overnight and then uh, they gave this to me and that's why I'm drinking. Rogue, if you're listening. It's good. I like it. I think it's a great beer, actually. Oh, my. Yeah, it's very <laughs> sticky. It is sticky. It tastes like sticks. <laughs> That's not the sticky I was thinking. Oh, well. But, yeah, it's, it, I, think you're, I think you're hitting it right on the, right on the head there. Uh, not the beer, but the, uh, the fact that creatives, I mean, for us, it's just not in our wheelhouse to be. It's different parts of the brain overall. Yeah. You know, it's, we're notoriously bad at business. And nothing wrong with that. You can't be good at everything, you know. And there are some that are great. Yeah. There are some really good musicians that are, are great with their money and know what decisions to make. And they handle a lot of that stuff. There's some yeah. visual artists that do that too. And they run their own website and they book their own things and they they do all that. And, and some of them enjoy it. Some of them are, have been screwed over probably. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they don't trust somebody else to do it. And Others just haven't found some somebody to, and others are are tight, can't afford to spend ten percent or fifteen yeah. percent to have somebody else handle this stuff. True, That's, true. Do you think maybe a little bit of it might generate angst in us? You know, we start feeling like a sellout. We maybe uh, start thinking, well, our art should speak for itself. We shouldn't have to sell. We it. all think like that. You know, what we're shy. It's and we touched on this way way back in like episode three, and mm-hmm. I, and I said something about you're good at remembering stuff. Like I that. I talked about well, it was around that you know. Yeah. Let's not get too pinpoint. But yeah, I okay. remember we talked about it, and and you think about the MG Flash record, the last one. You know, we settled on a five dollar price point, and we're still putting CDs out. And I would say another five years, I mean, it'd be it'd be too expensive to put CDs out because it's going to be so so rare to yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, but we talked about, well, it costs us X amount of dollars to, to manufacture it and it costs us this to package it and we got the artwork and yeah. and never once, and, and I've been in other bands too where we put disc out and never once do we sit and say, okay, well, it costs us $10,000 to record it. It costs me uh, 30 years of my life to <laughs> learn how to play this. It, right. it cost me $1,800 for this bass. Yeah. It cost me uh, three grand for my stage rig that, that I used in the recording studio, the engineer, the gas to, to drive to the studio. None of that ever factors in. Mm-hmm. We're trying, we're, we're looking at this worthless little piece of plastic just happens to have my music on it. And what's that worth? What is that worth t- right. to you? We don't look at it like plumbers, there's a good meme that has been circulating Facebook and it talked about how, you know, like these exposure gigs and they said, well, you wouldn't ask a, a uh, plumber to come over and and work for three hours for free just because mm-hmm. you're going to tell, you know, somebody, your neighbor might see the truck out front. <laughs> right. But we don't look at it like that because even, even you, even you don't really think that your talent is really worth that. Yeah, I was getting at that. that you was, don't, yeah. you don't think yeah. that. And, and a lot of people that's listening right now that are, in uh, visual arts, musical arts, mm-hmm. fine arts, um, writers, you you're not taught in school that this is a real gig. You don't go to 
by and large, I mean, there are music schools and there's these, uh, what, what do you call it, ateliers or yeah, whatever right, that you talk yeah. about. Sure. But those are people that really believe in that. By and large, you do not, you're not brought up through high school thinking that you're going to be an artist, that yeah, you're going to be, yeah. you need to be an accountant, a doctor, a ditch digger, a welder. These are all vocational kind of things. Even vocational school, it does not have things that pushes you towards music. Music is something that people do as a hobby right. or as a side because they like it. And then every now and then somebody hits at just the right time with just the right talent and they, they can make a living at it. And we only see the stars. Um, we, don't, we don't think about every, everything that, that we're looking at right now, the, the artwork that's on the um, cans of, mm -hmm. of this beer, mm -hmm. uh, the artwork that's on this candle that you got burning all this stuff. Somebody come up with this design for this Nestle water that mm -hmm. we're looking at. Somebody mm -hmm. designed that. We're not, we're not sponsored that. by Nestle, by the way. No, we're not. But we could be. <laughs> I like Nestle Crunch as well. But we only think about, we think about Van Gogh and we think about Mick Jagger mm -hmm. and we think about, uh, um, you know, Versace. We don't think about all the other people that are making our jingles, are doing our local, our local gigantic mm -hmm. car lots uh, commercials. These are working musicians. These are working artists. These are working people. Right. They are doing that. And we as a society and education does not do a good enough job of saying, hey, if this is something that, you're, that you think you're good at or that you got a passion for, you can make a living do this, doing right, this. Right. But then again, you also got the same, same thing. There's not everybody that can do, um, you know, that can put three chords together and, and write a song that, mm -hmm. that might be huge like Cobain can make commercials jingles or do a film score. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of different ways to, to be involved in that, but we still look down on it. We spend $25 on a, a Blu-ray, which not as much as we used to, but, but mm -hmm. back in the height, DVDs and Blu-rays, mm -hmm. we spend $25, $30 on a movie that we'll watch, what do you think, Mike, five times in our lifetime, realistically? Yeah. yeah. Five times. Yeah, if you really like it. But we thought you know. $15 was too much for a CD that becomes the soundtrack of your life. Yeah. Something that you listen to. Yeah. How, how many times have you listened to, to your favorite three CDs? How many? Oh, yeah, tons. Millions. Tons. But, but $15, $15 is too much, <laughs> but $25 is, is just right for a movie. That makes zero sense. Yeah. Zero sense. But this is how we're conditioned. This is what they're doing. You know, Because this is not deep down. We don't really feel like that this is worth anything. It's just something we like to do. No matter how good you are, it, it's just, it's just a little, it's not important. It's not like being a pipe fitter. Right. We got to yeah. get out of that mindset. Yeah. It's, it's not a, it's not a vocation. It's not a yeah. career. It, it's a, it's a hobby. Like yeah. you said, you know, and it's terrible because it can be a vocation and uh, we're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I'm going to go ahead and, and go into this because I think, I think the meat of this podcast episode is is probably more important than us building up to it. So um, I want to start with the starving artist myth. And I think a lot of folks just really believe, uh, I'm going to say non-artists, people who don't know. I'm going to assume too, you don't know a lot of other visual artists like me who do traditional art, just paint, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the general consensus among people I, I meet is that I must have a dirty studio with paint everywhere and I paint every day and I let my galleries sell my work. And 
that's a very rudimentary old school way of making money. I don't think artists today that are doing anything successfully are doing it that way. I think they do lots of different things and we'll get into that in a minute, but, um, the starving artist only exists because that artist isn't really pushing the right buttons. They're not going out and doing their thing. They probably do hate money, meaning talking about it, planning for it, looking at their business like a business. They're looking at it as a hobby that they can get paid from, or they're doing it art for art's sake. I know a lot of musicians that are even in that same boat where they just, they're, they're so adamant about not liking the money side of it that they just crumble and say, well, I, I just do it because I fucking enjoy it. I hate it. I hate, I hate booking a gig and then it comes time to say, well, this is how much I got to have. Yeah. What's the feeling? I got to ask you because I mean, I get a feeling every time somebody asks me, how much does it cost to do a painting of this? There's always a little bit of anxiety there of, you know, I've, I've got my pricing sheet that tells me this is how I calculate because I know how many hours it's going to take to do it. And I can't really go by hours because if I went by hours, I would be really depressed about, you know, I might as well just go flip burgers and not, not right. a, no offense to anybody flipping burgers, but I might as well make less than minimum wage if I do that. But I get a lot of anxiety and I throw out first number out there and it's, you know, the negotiation factor comes into play and I know I got to shut up. I know I can't sit there and go, but, but it's, it's made out of this. It's, you know, here's all the features you're getting. Here's all the benefits because you lose. It's you more know, than just a fifty dollars canvas, sir. Exactly. It's the time that you're putting into yeah, it. Yeah, and they have your clearly skill. like your work. You know. Yeah. I hate it. Like I said, it's when there is a lot of anxiety, and I'm not. I've been fortunate that in a lot of my bands that I've had had people that could put that hat on and relished that kind of thing. But I've I started out in sales. I was in sales for years, and it crushed my soul. And I don't like it. So I'm like, I. You, when you're pricing something out and it's the same way that, that I think you were starting to say without saying it, you're trying to give them, you're trying to give them a price that it's not what it's worth, but what, but what it will be just worth it enough for you and what they will not think is too high. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's a sweet spot. It's, you know, excuse it's my language. It's fucking bullshit to it have is. to, it to is. have to deal with that. And, but you don't want to lose the sale. That's the thing. You're, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, right. Uh, you're you're qualifying your customer in a lot of ways. Like like if let's say you're going to do a gig somewhere and you're looking at the manager of the bar or, or establishment, the venue, whatever, and you go, look, I, I know they're booking bands for four hundred, but we need six hundred, you know, to do this show. Okay, let's make it four hundred. You know, first of all. I need to say this up front. I think I think that's probably a bad ethical way of doing business. I think you, if if you need six hundred, and you already know that that venue doesn't pay that, bring them some more value. Explain to them that you typically put this many people in their venue for a show. You typically bring this kind of audience to your show. Whereas, yeah, the four hundred dollar band maybe not. <laughs> you know, they might right. be lucky to bring twenty people. That sort of thing. Not not picking on bands like that either because I know a lot of great bands only bring a few people. But you kind of have to go with that too at some level. But, but you can go ahead because no, I think you're in the same same wavelength. Well, we're, that's the thing. We got the luxury of having decent jobs. 
mm-hmm. and that's kind of being a being a a uh, an artist with a side hustle mm-hmm. that that uh, pays your insurance. Right. You don't have to. That's the trade off. I don't have to take that four hundred dollar gig. I price. I don't. I price my gigs what they're worth it. And if they don't want to do it, and it's not something I'm real passionate about, I don't really want to play there, or it's like a certain holiday, and I really want to be in there. And maybe right. maybe I got a friend's band that was wanting to jump on that show, and it was going to be something special, you know, or they got a PA, and I don't have to show up money to, right. to hire a sound guy. You know, I, right. I can work with them a little bit. But for the most part, in, in my current bands right now, I we got a price depending on the venue, the the place where it is, we got a minimum of what it is, and you're mm-hmm. going to pay X amount of dollars for our two hours. We right. don't do the we don't do the four set all night bar gig. We don't do that. Yeah. We might bring another band in. We'll provide you with music for three hours. Um, but that's what we do. And if a if a bar doesn't want that or a venue doesn't want that, then that's fine. We're not going to play there. And if I give them a price and they don't want to hit it, that's fine. I got no problem with that. I'm not going to play there. Right. But if this was my entire livelihood, I would have to make compromises there because I got to eat. Exactly. I can't, exactly. you know, I'm a, over a barrel. I got to take that $400 and, gig because yeah. then by the time they split it, $50 for the night is better than no dollars for the night. Right. It's uh, it's a tough, tough uh, tightrope to follow too because, you know, for those of you who are listening who aren't musicians or haven't uh, been a working musician in, in clubs and things, you know, you, you can't look at the big bands that you see and then go, wow, there's 10,000 people at this concert. They're, they're bringing down some bank. You have to look at the idea that that band might only get $400 to do that club. I'm, I, I keep throwing four. I'm definitely not trying to price structure this, but I'm, I'm just trying to use a number. If there's four people in the band, that's $100 a piece. Let's say you play two hours. Great. You got, you got travel. You got travel expenses. You got setup time, you got cleanup time, you got, you know, the wear and tear on your, ve- on your equipment and yep. your vehicle. Um, you've got childcare, child care, <laughs> yeah, I need to think about that. But you, you've got lots of other things and the, the venue's making money on the booze too. No, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And a lot of the guys in the band, they spend what they make and more just getting drinks. Right. Because you're paying full price for that drink that you could have made at home for next to nothing. Uh, I'm just, I'm throwing it out there that this, the model itself is so jacked up. Now I know the venue has to make money or they'll go up, they'll go under to get that. And it all it's really. It's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we're both, we're both parasitic. You know, we are feeding off them. They're feeding off the, us. They're providing a, a place for us to be able to sell our merch, to get our name out, to have our music and, we are providing a reason for people to come into that particular club at that particular time and drink. So it's, it's, you both, you both are working together. And I think a lot of time, a lot of successful relationships I've had with clubs, they've recognized that, you know, they're, they're helping us, we're helping them. And it's a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Clubs that haven't had that relationship with, or clubs that just think that they're doing you a favor by letting you have your little band play. Right. Well, I don't need that. I'm right. I'm in my forties. I've had my fill of that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't I don't need that. But then galleries are the same way. There's you know for the fine fine artists, the visual artists who go out there and make paintings. There there's galleries that work with you, and then there's galleries that you know they're doing you a favor, you know, and so to speak. The same way. 
And you can usually tell by um, kind of the attitude of the gallerist, the person who runs the place. You can almost get it right off the bat. Yeah. It's well, the same way with, know, a, with a club owner or a club manager. It's, you know, it's almost like they just pat you on the head. Oh, yeah. that's how nice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and their their live entertainment would be horrible if fans just quit working for right. them. You know, same thing. Some bars same don't. Galleries, some know? bars don't need live entertainment. I mean, some bars have a a built in uh, clientele that come in after work and and they do this and that. But other bars, that's really that's the way you hear about mm. new clubs. And I know when my friends are playing someplace I haven't heard of, I'm like, oh, I need to go check that out. Right. And I'm there and I'm seeing what's going on. Well, this yep. sounds good, or you know, this has got a good stage. I mean, that's kind of what, and then that just, you know, now my band wants to play there. Well, you know, some other people was there. They like seeing their friend's band play there that night. Now they want to come see my band play there. And that's just right. that's how it works. Get people there. You get people drinking. It's a good time. A lot of these places sell food. I mean, that's how you're getting them in there. Get yep. them excited. And- Absolutely. So let's, uh, let, let's look at the starving artist myth and let's start looking at ways that Let's try to give some answers, try to give a way for our listeners to maybe start brainstorming a little bit on how to make money. And I'm gonna, I'll go first, get, get, the, get the ball rolling. Um, what, beside the idea of just obviously making your art and selling it, you know, we all, we all get that. That's, anybody can understand that. But there's Patreon, you know, other membership opportunities there for bands and visual artists and anybody uh, like that. Uh, Even thinking about, I'm trying to think of everybody in the creative field. If you're a chef, you know, you you can literally do things on Patreon to share with people who want to learn how to cook, learn how to do better at home, learn how to purchase their food better. How many members is on that? uh, Do you know? That's not only that has sites, but also people that are subscribed to different things. that's That's a good question. I don't really know. I'd like to know that data. I know it's extremely busy. Really? There, yeah, there's a lot, lot of people going there. But you also have things like Skillshare, where you can teach, and um, I've heard, I've heard numbers as high as five cents per minute viewed of a video. Mm. Uh, that that's a lot of money to a creator. You know, you, <laughs> you have twenty videos out there, and they're making you know a lot per per video. If you twenty minute videos, whatever, so. I don't know. That's that's an option right there, just right off the bat. If you can teach it all, put a camera in front of your face and and teach how to do it, and Skillshare is good. Uh, digital downloads, you know, if you can offer things for people like like with bands, they can download uh, MP3s. With uh, artists, you might be able to do um, spreadsheets or anything that might help other artists or whatever. Uh, how to paint booklets or you know whatever. Uh, essentially, you're teaching. And some people say, well, but that's not really art. Well, yeah, you're doing your art. I mean, you're just showing people how to do it. It's like, it's like the studios of the past. That's the thing you have to understand. Back in the day, it was very common for uh, traditional artists to bring in a lot of apprentice uh, personnel to learn how to work as an artist. You know, how, how does a working artist work? Well, you go apprentice with one and you learn. And then you go off and do your own thing. So, you know, teaching is not something that just came about because of the educational system or the current online uh, type of thing. Uh, you got licensing your work. 
in your case as a musician, you can license your your music to things mm-hmm. that that uh, you know would use it. Uh, the theme song for our podcast uh, that's that's a great way if you're, if you're working with podcasters and you want to make music for their their stuff, you can do that. Um, you got affiliate revenue. Uh, if you have a YouTube channel or a website or a blog or anything like that, you can put affiliate links in there and tell people about your gear when they buy the same gear or whatever. You get a, a small percentage of that sale. Um, there's lots of different ways really to make art on or make money on the side while you're contributing to your art. I struggle personally with how much artwork has to be made at a certain price to reach a certain revenue level. Mm-hmm. And these things I just mentioned help eliminate a lot of the need for that extra revenue. Plus, a lot of times the cost of doing business is a lot lower. It's digital or, you know, evergreen content where they can go back and watch it on a regular basis. Do they have a thing like uh, for artists like they do like for CD Baby? Got a thing where, you know, if you sign up for that, they'll automatically, they put all of our tunes on YouTube. And then we had... um, um, I believe that they, they were, got our, um, did all the stuff to get it on like the different, uh, streaming services and all that kind of thing. Is there something like that for artists where they can do that and then, then they can, somebody else can, they, they've already got the template for all that and you can get your different links and set up your Patreon site and set up your affiliate links and do all that. Do you, do you, is there I, something like that? Because if there's not, there should be. I'm, I'm not real sure of something like that. I've not heard of it. I know there's, there's a lot of companies out there who you can upload your work and they'll handle all of the like printing and fulfillment for prints. They'll do, um, you know, they have merchandise that somebody can buy and it really takes a lot of the, trying to find the right word. It it takes a lot of the e-commerce nonsense out of the artist's life so they can get back to making art. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. Uh, don't ask me to name any of them right off the bat because I, I, they're on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of anything right off the bat. But um, it, I got to bring up COVID too because COVID's a big deal for all of us. Oh, yeah, what's that? Are we going to yeah. drink this other thing? We are. Let's crack that open while I'm, while I'm getting this going. Hot. Yeah. Um, with, with COVID galleries don't, you know, they're not doing well. Uh, obviously venues for musicians right. aren't, aren't real good. Um, so I think in a lot of ways, this is bringing us to a level of, you know, how do we, how do we make money without actually having the bricks and mortar type locations where we expected people to hang out? And that's a lot of the reason why I brought up some of these, um, I, I guess, digital ways of making money mm-hmm. is because you don't have to rely on um, a third party, you know, to make your money. You can do it yourself and you can set your price and somebody finds it and it's great. You know, you move on. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Let's uh, let's hit this one real quick. I want to. Boy, this looks like a. This looks like a nice rose wine or something it, it to me. It does. It's a zombie killer by Bee Nectar. Uh, it's a cider. Um, it smells kind of whiny. It's a, uh, I thought there was a. That's right. Yeah, go ahead. I can't remember what the uh, alcohol by volume is, but it's got a little bit of honey in it. Cider. 
Oh, wow. It's tart. It is more tart than I thought it would be. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it too. It's perfect for a fall crisp it's day. It's very it? whiny though. It is. Mm. As we both take a drink at the same time and we got dead air space, but. Dead air know. is a good thing. Yeah, I think people at home know. We we drink, we It's just like about when you're things. playing. It's what you got to remember when you're playing guitar. You don't have to take a breath like yeah. you do with a, with a horn or <laughs> right, something. Right, right, right. And they always say you need to approach it like a horn player. There's there's breaks in there, and it's changed a lot of the way I play. It's definitely oh, changed yeah. the way I solo. Yeah. When you sing? Well, when I sing, I have to take a breath anyway when I sing, but yeah. it's a way to make it more vocal, like horns and vocals. You can't sing all the way through. You have to take a breath. So there's spots in there. And, and when I'm doing, if I'm doing bass leads or, or doing some guitar leads in the studio, I always think about that. It's like, just because you can fill up all that space doesn't necessarily mean that you should. Yeah. Because yeah. you got to think the music's got to breathe. You have to breathe. Yeah. That's so good. It's That's something good. to think about. about that. Mm -hmm. Drummers could learn a lot from that. That's true. Yeah. We're keeping the beat for the most part, but. When it comes to fills and accents and, you know, just things that you put in there, the, the, the punch of the song, uh, drummers have a tendency sometimes, young drummers especially, have a tendency to overfill dead air. Right. Think you yeah. got to fill it just because it's there. But yeah. there's nothing more impactful than nothing. Right. There really yeah, isn't. Yeah. And that's that, what's cool yeah. about it. So I love... I love playing with, with uh, em the empty spots and yeah. figuring out how to do things around them. So. A little, little off topic, actually, thinking, yes. thinking of that. Uh, the Heaven and Hell album with uh, uh, Ronnie, James, Ronnie Dio. James Dio and and the guys from Black uh, Sabbath. Black Sabbath. Thank you. See, my, my brain's just really not working, is it? Uh, for anybody listening, the uh, Heaven and Hell album uh, was an album by... Black Sabbath, but there was also a band called Heaven and Hell, which was all the guys from Black Sabbath doing some new new work. It was right before Ronnie died uh, from uh, his cancer. Basically, they won the tours as the Black the Ronnie James Dio era Black Sabbath. Yeah, and since Ozzy had been back in Black Sabbath and they'd been doing that to keep things from being confusing. Yes, um, they had agreed just yeah. to change the name to Heaven and Hell. So exactly that <laughs> album. Uh, for some people, it's a little hard to listen to because they, they feel like it's a little dragging, a little slow. I love it because of all the dead air space. Oh, yeah, it's heavy. Uh, it's just, it's like they're taking such an approach to uh, the, the time signatures and the available space to really put a lot of impact Bill Ward play on that album? No, that was uh, Vinny Apice. Okay. Not Carmine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Vinny. He always gets he always gets hammered off for not being Carmine. I know. Well, he should have been Carmine. <laughs> it's funny. Both brothers. Carmine's got better yeah. hair. Yeah, he does. Got a better mustache too. Yeah, 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 yeah. He does. It's actually like a like a legitimate oh, yeah. porn star. Oh yeah. <laughs> porn star. That's another thing too. You were talking about revenue streams. If you're, no, no. Here we go. No. It's, it's going south. Is no, it? All but right. uh, OnlyFans <laughs> has been a big thing that I've I've got oh, a, lot yeah. of, a lot of my artist yeah. friends that's in the. Uh, uh, I'll say, we'll yeah, say modeling, modeling deviant yeah. art, whatever. Yeah, uh, they've been using that as a way to uh, supplement their income. I think it's a great, it's a great thing. I mean, yeah, why not? Seriously, why not? Yeah. There's, I mean, 
It's only taboo for some people, right? Right, but they're so, doing they're doing their thing and they're using what talent they have and they're making they're making money. All right. So after after we got talking about some of the ways that I was thinking about how I make money on the side, outside of making the art, what what of these could you think of that would help you as a musician or musicians listening, uh, even even chefs and comics and I mean everybody. Anybody creative writers, you know, they work the same way, right? I mean, yeah, they, they kind of work that way. What, what do you think about doing like a, a video for your music on YouTube? Like if you were to start putting videos together. I mean, we've done a couple. I mean, I, I like that kind of thing. I like looking at those kind of things, but I think it's just got to hit it's got to hit the right time and it's got to have the right tone to get views. And yeah. I don't think it's, it's, uh, it's just for, for the bands I'm in and the stuff that, that we're doing, it's not necessarily going to be a big thing to, to push, um, to push viewership and yeah. get new fans. I don't think, um, as a rule. Well, it takes a while to grow in YouTube. A lot of folks think that these, these people just showed up with a million subscribers, you know, and it, it just, it's not that easy. It really isn't. Some people hit it well. They really do. They hit a stride and they do really well. But generally speaking, most of us, you know, it, it's a struggle. At least the first thousand subscribers, I think, yeah. is, a, is a pretty good struggle. I'll uh, put a live video of some of my acoustic stuff on and then they get 1,500 views or whatever. And I mean, that's kind of cool. I mean, to me. That's real good. Um, but you got to understand it depends on how their settings are. Every time it comes up in their feed, it's playing. They're not necessarily watching that. It's they're scrolling through and it turns on. But you're more likely to get somebody, I think, to see that in Facebook right now than what you are somebody to click on a YouTube link or to seek it out on YouTube. So yeah. just because they're already going through their feed and it's popping up, oh, what the hell is this? Oh, okay. And they might watch a little bit of it. It's a good way to get your stuff out there. I think I, I think that what would help us all the most is if we had a centralized, um, I don't know, not necessarily like a, a social media, well, like a social media group where people are going to see, to check out your art, but you know, my music is playing or somebody's there to check out my music, but then why they're on the site, you know, they're seeing all these different, different, uh, things that you've done or seeing that a local comedian has a, a gig in their hometown the next day. I think that's how you do, that's how we used to do it live. People would go out to different places and mm -hmm. you would run into an artist at a, at a, uh, at a show or a photographer, or, or you would be at a, a, um, a gallery and seeing the, a showing and you run into some musicians or there might be somebody playing some music quietly in the background or mm -hmm. they might be playing your disc. And we don't do that as much even pre COVID uh, that wouldn't happen as much. And I think that's really the way, I mean, I've said it a million times here and I've said it a million times in my, in my um, personal life. It's like you, the only way to, to get that out is to share things that you love. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's really the best way you got to get people that love you to tell other people about it and post about it and talk right, about it and right. share links. That's really the, that's how you get it out there. I mean, yeah, you got to build your community. You really do. And that's the other thing I, I guess I should have mentioned before. Not all of this has to be 
online and modern technology and however everybody's doing it today, you, you know, newsletters in the mail still work. You know, your, your fans, I don't think it's worked so well with music, at least in the genre that we're familiar with. But, you know, people can sign up for a newsletter. Right. You know, they go to your website, sign up for a newsletter. Instead of just giving them something on the email, if they give you an address, send them a hard copy of something. Right. That's so different. Nobody's getting stuff in the mail anymore that matters. It's either right. a bill or a political so, bullshit. Something that they got to throw away. Yeah. Yeah, whereas they might look at it and go, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, I'd, I I, need to get back to it. I used to do it a lot. I used to do a quarterly newsletter, let people know what I'm doing. Well, email is uh, still value, valuable too. People, yeah, it You is. know, we've all went to Messenger and we went to Facebook and we went to social media. But also, there's still email and there's still ways yep, to, yep. There, there's other things that you got to say that 149 characters ain't going to come across that yeah. you can send to people and... I've found away from that. I, I need to include this too. I found that sometimes if I know I'm going to be out and about, I'm just have a free day, which is rare. If I'm if I'm just not really doing much, I just need to get away from the studio for a while. I can call up a past client or um somebody I respect in the industry, whatever, and just say, Hey, uh, I'm gonna be in town. You wanna grab a coffee? And just just shoot the shit. You know, just Remind them that you're alive, right? <laughs> so to speak. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but it's like people need to be reminded you're still around. You know, what's important to you as an artist isn't necessarily important to somebody else all the time because they're not living your life. You are. Right. And that's important. And, and this goes along with even other markets. As, as a musician, it works the same way as it does with artists. If you want to get new markets, you can't stay in your hometown. You just, you just can't. Right. There's not going to be enough income there, enough revenue streams, enough income channels, not marketing channels or any of these things for one town. So if you move yourself into another town, you kind of have to seed it a little bit. You know, nobody knows who the fuck you are mm -hmm. when you show up somewhere. So why would they go see a show? Why would they buy your art? Why would they go to the gallery? What can you do to seed that market? Well, the, the, for me as a visual artist, one of the things I can do is I can show up and do a plain air painting in public just sit on a curb. <laughs> yeah. Not really a curb, but sit on a bench somewhere and just be seen drawn. People When's the last time you've done that? Uh, it, it's been months because of COVID. Right. But um, I want to get back to that so bad, you know, where I just sit down and draw and, and do my thing. Lisa and I, my wife and I, we have uh, uh, a lot of plans for some things coming up. I'm really excited about um, the local brewery getting done so yes. that I can... We we have a, a, a thing I want to do, and I'm just going to blow it out here and let everybody know. It's I'm calling it the 50-50 run, and it's from 50 West Chillicothe to 50 West Cincinnati, which is not very far, but it's on Route 50 the whole way. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do is we're going to go downtown here in Chillicothe and get the start. We're going to drink and have lunch, and then we're going to walk around town for about two hours, kind of work off the alcohol, get in the car, Head out on 50, and whatever we see that fancies us on the way there, we're going to stop and enjoy it. You know, if it's a roadside uh, vegetable place, we'll stop there. You know, right. I, it doesn't really matter. If it's something to look at, we'll stop and take pictures. And we'll go the whole way, and then when we get down to Cincinnati at the other 50 West, the original 50 West, 
We'll uh, stop at the hotel, get an Uber, head down to 50 West, grab drinks and dinner, get an Uber back to the hotel, and you know, just enjoy ourselves at the hotel. Next day, get up, maybe draw a little bit, paint a little bit, take some pictures, whatever, get in the car, drive home on 50, do the same thing on the way home. So it's a 50 50 Sounds deal. Like fun. Yeah, it'd be fun. It's only 80 miles, roughly. Um, it's, it's, it's a smaller version of what I want to do in, in life. I, I want to take Route 50 all the way across the United States. I think it'd be fantastic. Uh-huh. Um, but it's about seeding other areas. It's about getting out, seeing the world, and doing your thing. Uh, I don't know. I could, I could probably make a whole episode on, on my dreams and all that. But The building's coming along nicely. I was there yesterday yeah. having, having dinner across the street. I walked over and looked in, and I'm hoping that uh you know they say that live entertainment is a big part of their uh is a big part of their business model i am hoping that uh that is true and that we got a, a place that we can actually put on a real real show yeah and i think it'd be there. great so, i think it'd be really great they're good people i'm they, cautiously optimistic yeah the uh the food's fantastic i don't think they still do the sliders i like but well uh, we're gonna do a podcast there when they open up live from the live from I the would booth love love to yeah. a segment that we call live from the booth <laughs> i just coined <laughs> we, it we can always uh you know, the way I do this, we could always put a couple lavaliers on us and they would never know we're recording anyway. So whether we're allowed to or not, we can do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's funner if they tell you we're not allowed and yeah, we just stay there. Yeah. Gorilla, customers. gorilla podcasting. <laughs> yeah, well, more like monkey, monkey podcasting. Just a couple monkeys. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, you got you to see these locations and let people know you're coming and, and you kind of kind of do your thing and... and uh, Hopefully you build business there too. I know, I know I need for about (laughs) talking originals here. I'm not talking prints because for me, it's originals, prints and other and other is all the online stuff. You should get into tattooing. That should be one of your others. (laughs) Yeah, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Um, If I do original artwork and I'm talking uh, $400 to $2,500 range. You know, my $2,500 range is the high end. My flagship art is, uh, that's what I call it, is typically around uh, $900. I don't sell a lot of that. So for the flagship work, I need about 20,000 people for two flagship paintings. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. That's, an, that's an annual sales <clears throat> projection, so to speak. Now, some would say, well, just live in a big city and you're good to go. Well, <laughs> it doesn't really work that way. And not that black and white, you know, because again, you're, you're dealing with um, competition, things like that. So you, you got to have a good name, I think, to get there. And 900 is not a lot of money. There's right. people listening in other cities right now probably thinking, holy hell, I couldn't live on 900. I can't either. That's why I have a job. So I want to get to that point real quick because we're running out of time here. But if you have a job, um, going back to the artist starving thing, maybe you treat it like I do. For me, my career, my job, my regular nine to five is what I call making ends meet. And it's my health care. It's my retirement fund. It's my extra cash. My art is everything else. Right. You know, and I don't, I don't think there's really anything wrong with that. There's a lot of people who say, well, you're just, you're not, you're not really an artist. 
well, fuck you. Yeah, I am. I probably make more money than that living artist down the street. Right. <laughs> Selling my art. I was told locally I'd only make a certain amount of money, and I've blown that out of water a lot higher than what people said. Each of us have our own needs, and that's the thing everyone has to think about. You got to stop comparing yourself to other people. And I'm really kind of talking to myself here. Right. Because if I look at this and go, "Why well, I should be able to do this. I should be able to make a living at this. But the reality is healthcare for my family is going to run me between twenty eight dollars and $32,000 a year. And it's not tax deferred like it is as an employee. As an employee, it's tax deferred money. And it's not even that high. So take the damn job. Right. Use it, you know. And that's kind of where I'm at. We're getting so far off topic with what I want to say, but... Yeah. Everybody's got to make that choice for them. And, yeah, they and do. There's nothing wrong with... If you're happy and you're satisfied with your journey and what you're doing and you got a nine to five and you do that, that's great. At the same time, if if you want to just sell everything you got and pack up and move to LA and take your guitar and your songs and you're just, you're going to try to make it, man, good for you. I mean, yeah. it. I'm not going to tell you not to do it because people do it every day right. and people, people fail every day and every day there's somebody that is a little closer to success. So you have to, you have to weigh that out, yeah. out for you. But I don't think taking a leap is a wise choice. You don't? No, no. And there's, there's books written on it even. Uh, in fact, Jeff Goins kind of talks about that in his book, Real Otters Don't Starve. Uh, there's a percentage I, I should have it in front of me, but there is a percentage, I want to say 33%. I don't, I don't want to misquote the book, but successful artists typically don't do that. It's usually a step program. Usually, I'll do this first, then this, then this, then this. And they're already kind of at a place where they're, I don't want to say almost fail safe, but they're kind of, they've, they've got their safety nets built as an artist before they take that leap. The people who take the leap usually burn out, get irritated, never go back to it. So I don't, I don't want anybody listening to ever do that. But I don't want... Also, if you feel like you can make it on your own, I also don't think you should allow golden handcuffs or a golden cage or whatever you right. want to call it keeping keeping you down. If you, know? you got a net, I mean, there is something, there's nothing, I mean, there's been successes in, in both ways. And as a guy that, that didn't do that, I, I still recognize and I've, you know, heard people say and, and feel like that. It, if you got something to fall back on, then you will when it gets tough. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, and you can always find another job, right? You can, right. So, I mean, it just depends on the person, depends yeah. on the situation. And, yeah. And there's a lot of people, I mean, maybe if I would have done that, maybe I would be a uh, bigger success. Uh, or maybe you'd hate it. Or maybe I'd hate it. You right. know, you just don't know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you got to do what your gut tells you. And, and you got to listen to your brain a little bit, I yeah. think, and mitigate that but I think yeah. by and large we know what we're capable of and, yeah. and what we're willing to do and what we're willing to risk and um, your circumstances drive the boat yeah they really do your your level of responsibility you know the younger you are the more opportunity you have I think well the uh, longer you got the wounds to heal and to recover if you right. make a bad mistake right so I want to I want to throw this in there throw it um I just dropped the bottle put, cap I've been playing with. Just put that there. Uh, in, in Jeff Goins' book, for those of you who don't know, I don't uh, know Jeff Goins is a, a writer. He wrote a book called Real Artists 
don't starve. Um, and he says in the book, if we want to become artists, we are going to have to break some rules. We cannot just, uh, we cannot do just what is expected of us. At some point, we must break away from the status quo and forge a path. As it turns out, this is how creativity works best. I think that also goes along with how we make money as artists. Don't just think about the traditional ways to make money in your career as an artist. Right. Think about other ways you can make money and let those ways, those other ways fund your career as an artist. If you can make money uh, passively so that you can make more money as an artist, that's great. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can make money while you sleep, you know, all these things. Uh, yeah, you might have to make some videos every now and again. That's going to take some effort. But hopefully those videos generate cash flow for you. And I'm, I'm using videos. YouTube, YouTube in and of itself, I don't think is really a, a good business model. I think it's just going to take a lot of work. To right. get to a level where you're making money. Um, Social Blade is a good place for those listening. Uh, you can go to Social Blade and look up any of your favorite uh, YouTubers and find out kind of a, a general idea of how much money they make per month. Really? I never yeah. heard of the Social Blade thing. Um, it's, it's insane how many subscribers somebody really needs to have to make a decent amount of money. Uh -huh. I mean, the, the money directly from YouTube is not very good. but if you're driving views, if you're getting a lot of people looking at your work uh, and, and they're coming there because they, they love what you do, you know, your um, affiliate marketing links might actually help you make some money. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can have merchandise, it can make you some money. And they have a, they have a new thing too. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a, you, you join somebody's channel and that person makes money every month. It's a lot like, a lot like Patreon for joining, but, uh, you can also direct people to Patreon. You can direct people to your other things. I mean, there's just a lot of ways you can. I don't make like money. the name Patreon. It makes me feel weird when I say it. So I just it, it does. It's a little weird. I'm I'm still not really loving it as a way to make money. I make uh, about eighteen dollars a month from it. But Sarah Underwood know. has a Patreon site, and she um she sells pictures and videos and stuff really? like that. On there. I didn't know that. Yeah, from Attack of the Show. I really liked her. Yeah. Yeah, they got a YouTube thing too, where they're building these cabins, cabin land. It's kind of interesting. Her man's a uh, carpenter, and they're building all these cabins out in the middle of the, I believe the Washington woods. I'm not sure, but I think well, I that goes know. that goes along with our uh, bat squatch. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you check it out, cabin land. They got these. They they do their own little show about it. And it's yeah. kind of interesting. Did you know the story behind bat squatch? No, but I'm about to. You are about to. It's uh, it uh, supposedly around Mount St. Helens. Oh, this is a real thing? Yeah. It's like I mean, this is a real myth. It's like Sasquatch, but it's, uh, it's a little creature. Does bat. it look like a bat? I would suppose so. I mean, it probably looks like it on the can. It's kind of creepy. Looks like, oh, you yeah. know, funny. Looking. Is it supposed to be huge or is it supposed to be little? I don't know. Well, why'd I you bring it up? I don't know the whole legend of it. Piss me off. It's, it's a good IPA, though. <laughs> yeah, it's very sticky. It, it's sticky. It tastes like that they've, somebody put a yeah. maple <laughs> stick in it. A maple tree stick. It's a little dank. All right, let's get the last call. All right, let's do I, this. I think we've reached the segment of the show where I ask rapid fire questions and give all you listening time to finish that drink. Rapid fire. Rapid fire. All right. So, Paul, these are all for you, obviously, because we don't have a, a guest today. We don't? We do not. You are my guest, sort of. 
you're, you're here. <laughs> and I appreciate you for that. All right. Let's do it. Who have you met that you wish you hadn't? Drop some names. <laughs> wow. That's a... Uh... You can you can include me. <laughs> Who have I met that I wish I hadn't? Uh, I don't know the management from Sabotage. I forget that guy's name, but their manager he was kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, I can't really think of anybody that that uh, I've met that I really because everybody I've met, even if I didn't like him, it was a it served yeah. a purpose. I met Brandon Yeagley once. <laughs> You wish you wouldn't have met him? No, because now I really want him on the show. Uh, I, I let him cut in line uh, to take a piss at a show in Columbus. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just going to wait, and he was dying. I said, oh, go I ahead, bet. bud. He I was bet. super cool. Yeah, he is a cool guy. We like Crowbot here. Not, not making fun here. All right, so what, uh, what product would you refuse to promote? Because I'm going to have to write this one down so we don't ever get him on the show. That's funny because of uh, it's like I always kind of made fun of Moby for... Um, he had a clause in his contract where none of his music would be used for uh, gun commercials, like anyone's going to use any of his music for guns. But mm. and uh, I think cigarettes, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but as I've gotten older and I've seen, seen that, I thought, you know, what what wouldn't I want my music promoting? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I'm pretty open minded. Um, I don't really. <sighs> You know, I wouldn't want want to promote a show like uh, Honey Boo Boo or or something. Right, I'm not real yeah. into uh, uh, child uh, beauty pageants and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I can't see. Um, but then again, I'm also a whore. So I mean, if they showed me <laughs> enough money, I mean, yeah, you can't there you say, go. We're talking about money already. I mean, you really. I mean, you can't. I mean, I'm just trying to be honest. It's like, right, what right. what is that? What is that worth? What is something? And I think it would just depend. Um, you know, obviously, I I wouldn't want to, um, I I wouldn't want my music used in any kind of like far fringe, like uh, white yeah. supremacist groups or yeah, any of that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. And and I know that sometimes there are a lot of um, music gets hijacked yeah. uh, with some of that stuff. And yeah. I I would uh, there is no amount of money that would uh, that would uh, uh, want me to be affiliated with that or anything yeah. that even looked in that direction. So. All right, so the first two questions, I pretty much put you on the spot, made you name some names and yes. drop some shit. So this e- this next one's an easy one. What is your dream car? I've always wanted a, a Lamborghini, really. Really? But, uh, Did not know that. My other dr- dream car was a Challenger, and I was able to buy one since I got my car in my motorcycle wreck. So, <laughs> well. so yeah, pretty much that. And maybe like a, a late 60s uh, Cuda. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, so it's probably about those three Lambo. Cuda Challenger. I thought I had this pulled up. I'm going to pull it up anyway. I want to. I want to share something because yes. we have some of the best. Honestly, some of the best listeners. I really appreciate everybody who listens I to the show. Too. I wanted to share the top ten uh, locations. Of course, I, I got to share this too because this this always drove me kind of crazy. You know what our most popular time of day is? We will listen. Uh, three a.m. No, eight to nine. Eight to nine a.m. Really? Yeah, I'm hoping all you aren't commuting, commuting your way to work, drinking and driving. 
No, but that makes sense. Find well, a comfy chair. All right, I'm going to go pick out the Toyota. If, <laughs> if I had if I had more than a four minute drive to work, I would listen to a lot more podcasts yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah. So that's that makes sense. Yeah. So you know, I, I don't condone drinking and driving. That's not something we want to promote here. But you know, they don't uh, have to drink to listen to show money. They don't. But I, I wish they would. I don't like drinking alone, Paul. Well, that's why you're here. You make I don't drink. You're making me drink. <laughs> I know. Yes, I, I drink. All now. right. So I'm going to go in reverse order in in that whole. You know, late night TV talk show kind of a methodology. So we're doing number, number, start with number 10. Number 10. Number 10. The Russian Federation. So I oh, want to really? thank you guys for listening to the show. Oh, shout out to Slaughter to Prevail, my favorite Russian band and my favorite death very, metal band. Very good. Very good. Uh, number nine, Republic of India. So I really appreciate cool. everybody from India listening to us. It's a nice reach. Uh, Beautiful culture. It is. Republic of Chile. Really? Yeah, I hope I said that right. Chile. Birthplace of Tom Araya. Yeah. Slayer. Yeah, I know one guy. Well, yeah, one guy that lives in Chile right now. So maybe That's really cool. Maybe it's a climbing too because it didn't used to be there. So now that makes sense. Italy, number seven. Bucket yes. list place. Yeah. I want to see Venice and I want to see Rome. Yeah, me too. I want to go to um, so many places there. I really do. I would love to just drive all over the country there. Take, gonna, take a train or whatever. I'm going to try to go next year. All right, number six, United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Oh, nice. Yeah, so they uh, they listen to another bucket list quite place. A, quite a few episodes. Canada is number five. Thank you for everyone in Canada. Very cool. Number four, Kingdom of Spain is a really fantastic one. I bet they're really Jones in that that drink we had. Oh yeah, what was that called? The uh, liquor forty three. Liquor forty three. That's right. Don't want to leave out our friends down under. Number three, the Commonwealth. Commonwealth. We're Wealth. Pretty, 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 pretty Commonwealth. <laughs> Commonwealth of Australia. Not, uh, not Austria yeah. for the people who are geographically challenged. Attention people to Earth. <laughs> Australia, right. another place I want to go. Yeah, me too. And this one really kind of surprised me because I didn't didn't realize well, this. What number are we up to, uh, too? Number two. Number two. Republic of France. Really? Yeah. So cheers to all of you in, in France. And, Home uh, of Gojira. Yeah, we were going to have to uh, probably get a hold of some good French champagne. <laughs> some cuisine. <laughs> yeah. That's another good. place I'd like yeah. to visit. And of course, obviously, number one is the United States. USA, we USA. We went all again. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. We went again. We just lost the other nine. They're like, fuck you guys. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. So I, I do appreciate everybody. I wanted to throw this in there because, again, I love all the listeners who, who uh, listen to our show and just, you know, take a part in it. It's uh, fantastic. It's kind of cool to have this kind of reach you know we're sitting in a small town in ohio and uh drinking some booze and talking about the arts yeah the fact that somebody would take 45 minutes out of their day listen to us babble about nonsense yeah absolutely. i mean it's great absolutely stuff that's important to us and if you guys get anything out of it it's just it means a lot it's really cool you know yeah, so. it is all right well, i think we've reached the end of the show paul yeah i got uh, I, I got, got a, a full day i make. got a new full glass <laughs> I would drink this uh, this zombie killer. What was it? What was it called? Yeah, zombie killer. I like good, that. Good stuff. It's only only seven dollars a bottle. Is that good for? That's a very small bottle. That seems a little a, high. It is a small bottle. All right, that's. I think it's okay. That's a little high. It's expensive. Very right. upset. <laughs> all right, for all you listening, share this episode with your friends. Subscribe if you are not already, and I'd love for you to leave a review. I'm thankful you shared your time with us. And I hope you become a regular. You can find links for me and Paul on the show. Notes. <laughs> uh, I love 
love it. Take another drink, Mike. Or by visiting allwalksofart.simplecast.com. Until next time, may your drinks be tasty and your muse be thirsty. See you, Paul. Peace. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs>